the definition of the word hope doesn't mean we have answers now and it doesn't mean we have beauty now. It's not an answer. Hope is what keeps us holding on till we get the answer. We're so excited to share a conversation with you today from a fellow Nebraskan, an artist, author, and friend. Her name is Gina Bow, and you guys, this conversation feels like you're sitting down to have coffee with a friend. Gina is an award-winning songwriter, a cancer survivor, and most recently, an author. During her cancer journey, she really leaned into her creative gifts and to Jesus and created the most beautiful, hope-filled book. And then she produced music that corresponds to each chapter. What a joy to witness people fully living into their God-given gifts and how God then uses that to bless others. It's beautiful, it's inspiring, it's honest, and we hope you enjoy this conversation with our friend, Gina Bow. Well, Gina Bow, welcome to the conversation. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. So it's been a long time, I think. So we had you on, but it's been a long time ago. <laughs> it has been a while. I, I probably should have gone back and checked, but it's been a while. So yeah. Why? What's the deal with that? <laughs> no, I know, right? <laughs> I know it's in our end or you're in the, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so lots of people who are listening now weren't listening then anyway. I would love to start out just hearing a little bit of your journey, how you came to ultimately fall in love with Jesus. So I grew up in the church and mm. was a faithful attender for all of my life really got involved in fellowship of Christian athletes in high school. Mm -hmm. And that I would say is where my eyes started to be open to the fact that maybe my faith wasn't really my own. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly through that organization um, in college that my faith really did become my own. Mm -hmm. And I came to know Jesus in a way that I probably didn't know him before. Mm. I knew of him, but I didn't know him. And so I would say that it was in those really formative years of college that um, things ramped up, I guess, for me with my faith. And it it really became my own for the first time. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. So how about, uh, we talked about uh, just now how you came into love, fall in love with Jesus. Let's talk about music. So when and how did you fall in love with music? So I started, you know, I was one of those kids that started piano lessons when they were five years old. Mm. And, um, and I'm now, one was of those it kicking kids and never... screaming. Did you... Well, yes, but for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, I never quit. I don't know. I mean, I was kicking and screaming a lot. You can ask my mother. But um, yeah, I just, there was something in me that just, you know, I, I loved it. I've, I've mm. always been drawn to music. And when I was probably 15 years old, I discovered that I enjoyed writing songs hmm. and most of those writing most of those songs were really bad love songs <laughs> 15 year old and love songs <laughs> just angsty teenager yeah. drama stuff you know <laughs> and i ended up being a, a music major in college hmm. for a couple of years and then i switched majors but it was th there were all kinds of things that happened in that time i had surgery on my vocal cords which was yeah. a huge issue for me and and kind of some defining moments there. And is it related to music and my faith and all of that? And um, then really all through college, I think God was kind of helping me narrow my vision a little bit as to what I wanted to do with music. And I knew that for me, songwriting was going to be a huge part of that. Mm. 
Wow. When we uh, found out that you had written a book, <laughs> you know, even just saw the title of it, that Hope Deserves an Anthem, which I think is an awesome title for it. We've been talking here on My Bridge Radio even this fall about uh, how hope is vital for life. Right. And uh, you have a statement in, in your book that you say, you know, I thought I knew what it meant to have hope in something. What I now know in deeper ways is how critical hope is to a person's very existence. So we'd love to hear, how did you come to that realization? I think there have been a few things in the last five years that just life circumstances mm -hmm. that have kind of helped me to realize that, man, if you don't have hope, <laughs> it's just hard to get out of bed in the morning. Mm. I mean, it's hard to put one foot in front of the other. It's hard to just navigate life. Hmm. And so I think there were a lot of things in the last five years, but a couple of years ago that really came, it, God took that realization to hmm. a new level when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Hmm. And it was kind of in that moment. And, and really it was from the first moment of my diagnosis on hmm. when that that whole idea of man if without hope this would be a really 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 dark place and not that there weren't dark moments mm -hmm. anyway because mm -hmm. there were there were a lot of them but there was always hope and so i just knew that if if there was one thing that i could communicate to people that that would be it that that that's a foundational thing for me and again it's 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 getting up in the morning mm -hmm. it's putting one foot in front of the other and without that i i don't know how you do that mm -hmm. Hmm. I don't know if you knew this, Gina, but I had a traumatic health experience for numbers of years starting in 2013. And yes. uh, so I, I know what you're saying about the, the need of hope. And I actually had what I call a my hope playlist, right? So I'd had songs hmm. that just breathe life into me. Well, you needed my record. I, was, my I was about record? to say that. Yes. <laughs> I could have just had your record played all the time. Yeah. But again, so the, the cool thing about your book, uh, Hope Deserves an, an Anthem, is it is woven around music as well, right? And and a really cool thing is you have this QR code following each of the chapters that, and I tried it out several times, it's super cool, brings you right to a song connected with that chapter, which is, is super creative. So the first song in the book is Hope Deserves an Anthem. So we'd love to hear kind of the heart behind that song. That song was actually written, uh, I believe in 2000, well, it was written in 2019. Mm. Um, so long before... I knew that this book was going to be a thing long before cancer entered my story, mm. uh, but it was written with a friend of mine named Joel Lindsay and Joel is a three-time cancer survivor wow. and currently battling a, a whole lot of health issues. But we wrote that song before the pandemic hit. And then when the pandemic hit, it was like, gosh, I feel like that we need to give this a little broader audience. And so we, we actually produced the song and put out a video and all that kind of stuff. And it really was a challenge to people everywhere to kind of do whatever it is that they do for the sake of putting hope out into the world. And so that's kind of where that song came from. And then, you know, when cancer entered my story and other things entered my story, um, that song really became an anthem for me. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like a really fitting place to start and jump off of with all these other songs and stories. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Writing a, a book 
is challenging in and of itself and to be vulnerable in it and walking through things like your cancer diagnosis and your cancer journey is pretty vulnerable. So what made you decide to put yourself out there and uh, to share your heart in that way? I think I've known for a really long time that my the best way for me to I, I guess the best way for me to try to have an impact on people in general is simply by sharing my own story. And as a writer, this is just the logical place for me to do that. And I mean, I've known you for a long time. You know, I don't really know any other way to be other than probably honest to a fault sometimes. And yes, and just, you know, I feel like if, if we can't be honest and vulnerable, we're holding back from the level of impact that we can have on the people around us. And so um, I just, you know, I, it's interesting. I went to my kids early on, like, I would say a week after my diagnosis. Hmm. And I said, Hey, I, I want to get your permission and your blessing to write my way through this journey. Hmm. And I will try to do that in a way that doesn't embarrass anybody <laughs> and, and honors my, the people that are close to me. Um, but most importantly, just shares from a really honest place, what God was doing in my life. And that means sharing the really good days and the really bad days. God is always at work among us. During a mission trip to Central America, Ryan, who pastors in Fremont, met a little girl at an orphanage who he felt led to adopt. I had this longing, I had this desire to adopt this girl. I had been learning Spanish because I was like, if we're going to adopt her, I have to know the language. I've got to know the culture. It didn't end up working out. She was not adoptable, but it left me with, man, what was that? Ryan was willing to say yes to God and this little girl. As Ryan was processing what God may have for him instead, he met Juan, a Spanish-speaking pastor. He had been doing some ministry in Omaha, really felt called to Fremont because Fremont has a lot of diversity, and so he knew that there was a need there. And Juan needed a space to plant his church. As Ryan heard Juan's vision, it felt like maybe this was what God had intended for Ryan all along. I wonder if maybe the adopting that God was putting on my heart was this ministry. Maybe this is a daughter church that maybe I was meant to stick up for and raise up and support. God is on the move as Ryan says yes to join God in his work around him by partnering with Juan to serve the Spanish-speaking community in Fremont. My Bridge Radio, celebrating God at work among us. Share your story and join the conversation in the Connect Now section at mybridgeradio.net. Gina, for many of us, we think about hope being something that kind of answers all our problems. But uh, you talk about the reality of hope isn't always like that, that sometimes it's far more incremental in its expression in our experience. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that insight that you had, because I think it was pretty profound. I think we have this picture of hope, even when we say that word, that we picture it as something bright and shiny mm -hmm. and fluorescent tones <laughs> and all this, you know, and and. For me, hope has been quiet and gray hmm. and not what I always expected it to be. And I think it's been 
I think that's the thing that has been different for me in these last few years is realizing that just just the definition of the word hope means that we don't it, it doesn't mean we have answers now and it doesn't mean we have beauty now and it doesn't mean, you know, it's not this it's not an answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hope is what keeps us holding on till we get the answer. Mm-hmm. And so that isn't always fun. But it doesn't mean you know, I, I'm, I am by nature a glass half full kind of person. So I'm not like this negative person that's dreary and all that. I've just come to see the beauty and the quietness of hope and the, the smallness of that. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Gina, I remember uh, hearing a pastor talk years ago. He said, you know what? Everybody wants to be fast. No one wants to run wind sprints. You know, everyone wants to be strong, but nobody wants to lift weights. Right. And, uh, you know, everyone wants to be godly, but no one wants to be broken. You know, mm-hmm. so you write kind of a similar thought in your in your book related to uh, your cancer treatment and kind of walking through your cancer treatment that you knew that God was going to do something in you that you longed for, but you also knew that it was going to require more of you than uh, you'd ever given before. I knew again, it was early on, even in the first couple of weeks, you know, before, before treatment and before surgeries and before things, you know, got hard and painful, there was this level of expectation that I was actually really excited about. Mm. Like, I can't describe that. Like, you shouldn't always, (laughs) if we feel like we shouldn't feel that way when we're given that kind of news. Mm. But there was something in me that was like, oh my gosh, this is, I want to view this as a privilege. I want to view this as something that God's going to do something huge. I have no idea what it is. I did think back to that moment many times when I was in my weaker moments, you know, that I, not that I thought to myself, oh, I asked for this, like, but it was like, okay, this is where the real refining happens. And this is where I really come to terms with, do I believe that God is who he says he is? And if I do, then that it will determine how I respond through this. Mm-hmm. And so I I was excited about it in some mm-hmm. weird way, which sounds so strange. <laughs> but I guess I just, you know, ignorance is bliss too. I mean, I had no clue what was coming <laughs> down the what was coming down the path. Right. I maybe wouldn't have been as excited, but I I just you know, I just trusted that God was going to mm. do something. Mm. I've heard that statement. I'm sure many people have that God never wastes our pain. That's mm-hmm. that's a simple but profound and true statement, right? That God doesn't waste our pain. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I'm hearing you say that like, don't know what's coming. This isn't good. It's going to be, there's going to be pain, but God's mm-hmm. not going to waste my pain. No. And I had somebody, a, a, a writer friend reach out to me shortly after I was diagnosed and he's been kind of a mentor for my whole writing journey. And he contacted me and didn't say much, but he said, I, I want to challenge you to steward the pain well. Mm. And I knew what he meant by that, that, you know, as a writer, that that's one of the things, you know, living a writer's life means you take in all of it mm. and you funnel it through whatever gifting you think you have and you pour it out into the world. And so that's what he was saying. And I knew that God wouldn't waste our pain. I just didn't know if I would steward that pain well. And so that's what I have tried to do with this book and this record is to steward the pain well. And um, and it hasn't, you know, hasn't all been painful. There's been a whole lot of awesome, joyful, fun moments along 
the way. Um, and there's a lot of things that I write about in the book that have absolutely nothing to do with cancer. Like I wrote songs out of different pain, but you know, you would never know you, you wouldn't know what that pain is. It's just, you know, pain is universal. Suffering Mm. is universal and we all experience it. And, and so I hope, I hope that what I've done in stewarding this pain is, you know, give people some hope. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it does transcend just cancer, right? So kind of as I engage the book, it's like, no, this, this is for anybody and everybody. Like it, it breathes right. hope into your soul. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. One of the songs on your, uh, in your book is called The Story Isn't Mine. So would love to hear kind of what led to the writing of that song. I wrote that song, I would say, during the first week of my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I I just it was it was trusting God with every step of the journey and thinking, okay, that I would have never chosen for cancer to enter my story, but it did. So so now what? Mm-hmm. And as I wrote that song, I I tell I tell in the book that I started writing that song and it was called My Story. And as I started writing the song, I thought, oh, this is, I, I, this is not right. There's something not right about this. And I actually shared it with a couple of friends. I shared the lyric with them. And I was like, there's something wrong with this. And we tried to, you know, talk it through together. And then I realized that, you know, my story isn't my story. And if, if all I do with my life is tell my story, then that's not going to change anybody's life. That's not going to impact anybody. But if my story in some way points to a bigger story and points to the story of Jesus and points to redemption and salvation, then then my story is worth people hearing. I don't want to do the things that I do. I don't want to write and write songs and all that to entertain people. Mm. You know, that's, if that was it, okay, that I, there's nothing wrong with that, but that just wasn't what I felt called to. So I just knew that my story had to be connected to a bigger story, which was so much more important than mine. Mm-hmm. I'm curious on what you've learned through your journey about chronic pain. So all of us in life are going to go through acute pl- pain for sure. We're going to twist our ankle. We're going to scrape our elbow. We're going to stub our toe, right? And those shorter windows of things that we just kind of kind of chill out a little bit until that thing goes away. But then there's chronic pain that's going to, mm-hmm. it's something that you're dealing with. It's going to be there every day, staring you in the face mm-hmm. again, the next day and the next day and the next day for weeks, sometimes years. What have you learned about dealing with walking through the reality of that chronicness? I think one of the things that I feel, (laughs) I've told people, I feel like I was duped a little bit when I was diagnosed and then kind of told what my path would look like as far as surgeries and treatments and all that kind of stuff. Um, What I didn't know and what they didn't tell me was what I would be left with after Hmm. all those things. And so, you know, I've, I've been through surgeries and I've recovered and I've been through radiation and recovered and chemo and recovered and all that kind of stuff. I wasn't prepared for the marathon (laughs) that I'm now running and which includes some chronic issues. (laughs) And so I think that for me, this season that I'm in now I would say in some respects has been the hardest season because that chronic nature of pain or fatigue or whatever, that's the stuff that every day you wake up and you go, okay, 
I just got to get through this day. Mm-hmm. And so again, that's where I look to the smallness of hope mm-hmm. and those little things that literally lift your head off the pillow that help you get out of bed that help you get out the door and go to work and it's it is a constant surrendering chronic pain or chronic fatigue or any of that is an opportunity to be in a constant state of surrender I mean, the challenge in that and the need for hope in all of that is, is huge. There are people unreached. In places so hard to reach. Few have been reached. Few have been reached. How could we forget? In Nebraska, we have Bibles that abound churches on our corners, and Christians in every neighborhood. That is not true everywhere. There are places overseas where people have never met a Christian, held a Bible, seen a church, or heard the name of Jesus. Those who don't know, or just don't know yet. The harvest is plentiful. It's plentiful. Let's harvest this field from sunrise to sunset. Activate Global, My Bridge to the Nations. Find out more at mybridgeradio.net. So, Gina, you write uh, about a friend who refused to let his cries of desperation when his wife was dying be louder than his praise. And out of that came the song, Louder Than My Praise. What did that do for you as you kind of watched and engaged his story and kind of seeing how he navigated that and hearing his heart? How did that impact you? I will never forget when I, I think he was a blog he wrote and it was uh, my friend Todd who walked his wife, Karen, through a long cancer journey and very difficult. And I kind of watched from afar. I didn't know Karen well, but I knew Todd. And I remember reading that he wrote that, that he had, he'd been in his wife's hospital room and he had to walk out because it was just incredibly difficult. And there was a moment when he just kind of drew a line in the sand and he said, you know, I will not let these cries of agony, these cries of suffering be louder than my praise. And I remember reading that, and this is, you know, probably a decade before I was facing that and thinking, gosh, I I don't know how he does that. I, I don't, I don't know how you do that. And so I took that idea to my friend Lee Black and we wrote this song and it was kind of one of those songs that's like, man, nobody's ever going to cut this. Nobody's ever going to, it's never going to see the light of day because nobody wants to say this, you know? (laughs) And it's one of those things where you just determine that God will be your joy and your strength and your praise even through that. And I, I don't, I don't write those things. And I know Todd didn't write that to give the impression that that was easy in that moment, for sure. Hmm. And I think, you know, I've come back to that. It's interesting. That song was written years ago. And the songs, the way that God has brought some of these songs back to me that I wrote about somebody else's journey that he's brought back to Hmm. me in my own journey has been such a sweet thing. It's like the kindness of God going, you don't, you didn't have any clue why you wrote that years ago. And it's just kind of been a gift back to me to go, Oh, okay. Maybe that's one of the reasons why that song was written was just for my heart. (laughs) And now to have the opportunity to pass that along to somebody else is something I'm just really grateful for. You had shared earlier this morning that uh, pretty quickly in your cancer diagnosis, you 
purposed to uh, process through it and uh, journey through it in writing. And you've done that. How has God used your engagement with your pain and suffering in writing and in song? There have been many moments in the past couple of years whether it's dealing with cancer or dealing with other family stuff or whatever, where I have had conversations with God about, okay, <laughs> I've, I've said for years who I believe you to be. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those moments where I have to decide, do I really believe that you are who you say you are? And for somebody who's, you know, claimed to be a follower of Jesus for a really long time. I think there are moments when you have to just go, okay, uh, this is where I find out if I believe that or not. Do I believe that you're good? Do I believe that you are sovereign? Do I believe that you are trustworthy? And and if I do really believe those things, then this it, it will change how I respond in a situation. It will it will determine my next steps as I try to follow Jesus. And so as I wrote this book and as I put these songs together, I think there were so many moments where God and I had those conversations where it's like, okay, this is who you say you are. And this is who I've told people you are. I've written songs about you being this way. And in this moment, I'm not sure that's who you are. And you need to help me. You need to remind me that that's who you are. And those are the kind of honest conversations that I've had with God that, you know, you say you're good and you don't feel very good right now, but I I just, I'm going to trust that you are. And I'm going to trust that you're going to remind me and show me that you're good. So those are the kind of things that I feel like I learned on the journey. Um, it just helps solidify who I believe God to be and his character and his love for me and what how he demonstrates that even when it doesn't feel good. Mm, so good. So Gina, almost daily, we hear from at least one person in the MyBridge Radio family who's going through a really, really hard time. There are some listening this morning that are in that space. So if you were having coffee with them physically right now, and you had an opportunity just to kind of share your heart with them, what would you say? The first thing I would say is whatever it is you're feeling, it's okay. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be, it's okay to question. It's okay to uh, wonder what in the world is, is God trying to do with your life. It's, and so I, I think that's the first thing I would say is whatever it is that you're feeling, that's okay. And out of that, I feel like it kind of settles it settles a person down to go, okay, now what? Um, so I would say that first of all. And then I would say, you know, in, in today's day and age where we have the ability to access any information or opinion that we want on any situation, even on our own suffering, there is no substitute for the word of God. There's no substitute. And so in your in your questioning, in your sadness, in your grief, in your joy, whatever it is, I would I would implore you <laughs> to seek God first out of whatever it is that you're feeling and trust that he will meet you in his word. So that's the first thing. Um so yeah, I I feel like I feel like we we need to be about the business of talking about how hard this life can be and not be afraid to do that. Um, and, and I would also say that, you know, people come and go in our lives for different reasons. And some of the people that 
walk into a painful situation with you may not be the people that walk you through it and may not be the people that are walking with you on the other side of it. And that's okay. God's going to bring new people into your life to support you in a certain phase of your journey. And so even as believers to, to not be um, angry or defensive or sad or whatever about the, the people that God surrounds us with during those seasons, um, because we're all, we're all the walking wounded. <laughs> we're all broken. And, and man, I have, I have felt that so much in the last couple of years that I, it's been overwhelming to me because when, when people see you walking through a difficult time, they want to share their difficult time with you too. And some days I receive that well. And other days I'm like, I don't have the capacity to hear that right now. <laughs> but it has opened my eyes to the depth of pain that people are going through on a daily basis. And it's overwhelming sometimes. And I get that. I get that feeling of being overwhelmed. But yeah, it, it's okay to feel the weight of this life. And out of that, turn to the one source of hope and that is Jesus and that is his word. And, and then you figure it out from there. It's yeah, good. Gina, before I let you go, every time we talk, we could talk for quite a long time <laughs> and it's been a while. So I have tons of more questions, but <laughs> we will let you go here this morning. But I, I want to talk at least as we close about a cool partnership that uh, you formed with the book with totes, of hope, which I thought was super, super cool. So talk about Totes of Hope and what's the connection with your book? So early on, when I shortly after I was diagnosed and I kind of knew what my treatment plan was going to be, um, a dear friend, Marsha Henning, reached out to me and she's a cancer survivor. And, and she reached out and she said, hey, I'm a part of this organization called Totes of Hope. And I was actually somewhat familiar with them. Like I'd seen seen them do things here and there. And, and so I, I kind of knew what they did, but she brought over this bag and it was basically a bag of supplies that they give to people who are going through treatment. And so it's everything from um, lotions to books to um, jewelry. Um, it, it's all kinds of things that anybody going through treatment can take with them to their treatment experience, whatever that is. And it was such a blessing and so considerate and so, so... Um, appropriate for what I needed in that moment. And when you, when you hit that moment, you don't really know what you need. Mm -hmm. So the fact that other people who've gone through treatment, they know what you need and they bring it to your door. It, it was such a blessing. And so I knew that I wanted to partner with an organization that I felt like was doing a lot of good and, and bringing hope to people. And that's exactly what they do. And they did it for me. And so for every book that is sold, we are going to donate a book to Totes of Hope so they can include a copy of the book in those totes when they give them to people that are going through treatment. Mm, so good. So good. Well, thank you, Gina. Thank you for sharing your morning with us. Thank you for sharing your pain with us and many, many more. Thanks for having me. Can we do it again yes. next week? <laughs> <laughs> we will do it again soon. <laughs> so good. Hope is vital for life. Gina expresses that so beautifully in this conversation. 
Life is just really hard sometimes, and Jesus is the best answer and source of hope. I love what Gina said. We need to be in the business of talking about how hard life can be. It's so easy to turn inward when things get hard and kind of lose sight of where our hope comes from. So thankful for Gina sharing her time with us today and her beautiful talents. If you'd like to get a copy of Gina's book, we'll have a link to it in the show notes, as well as to her playlist of hope-filled music. And as always, if you'd like to hear even more hope-filled, Jesus-focused music, check out MyBridge Radio online through our app, our website, or your local Nebraska radio frequency. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time.